Welcome to the OKC Community Podcast. We are so glad you're here. For more information about us, please visit our website at okccommunitychurch.com. All right. Hi, everybody. So good to be with you. I hope you had a good July 4th. Um, So thankful um, this week and next week, Stephen is actually at a worship school, and he's getting to kind of get poured into and uh, go and be a part of something really, really cool, and so thankful we have a team that he can leave, and it's like no big deal. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, uh, no, but really, really good. I, hey, I want to begin by just sharing something really exciting, um, an update on our Mission El Salvador project. As uh, you know, a lot of us, we, we were uh, praying and we've been talking about for the last, last number of weeks about trying to raise $10,000 by the end of June, and I'm happy to just celebrate that we were able to do that this last week, and we were able to see that goal come in. And if you don't know what that is, we've been praying and just that the Lord would um, obviously give us the opportunity to serve, but then just provoke people to give towards this need, which we're trying to raise money to build a home in uh for a family in need in El Salvador through, through Mission El Salvador and the project we're working with there, among some other things. And I just thought it was amazing that truly uh, people were moved and stirred. And I know it sounds crazy, but I'm not joking. It was exactly $10,000 that came in this uh, last week. So that's pretty cool, right? And uh, that's some good news. And we need some good news after the Paul George news. You know what I'm saying? Too soon? <laughs> okay. Oh, gosh. Just buckle up, Thunder fans. We don't know what's coming, right? Anyway, well, today we start a new series. As you can see on our screen, we are calling the series The Revivals, uh, Revival Starts Within. And specifically what that means is we want to talk about the ways and the rhythms of longing for more of God. And uh, this is basically going to be a series in which we talk about what's going on within us and that we all have good and wonderful and pure things happening within us. We have this voice inside of us drawing us and calling us to more. But at the same time going on within us is we are full of fears, we're full of doubts and worries, and, and we, when we feel exhausted. So within each and every one of us are these pure, natural, good things that we feel like we're being called towards, but then within us there's also this struggle that we face. And we're going we're gonna to explore and talk about and lean into what I believe are some of the ways and rhythms that the people of God throughout the centuries, not just recently, have found rich experience in this pursuit of more of God. So we have a lot to talk about. Uh, we have a lot to lean into and all that kind of stuff. We're going to be begin in the book of Daniel. So if you have uh, a Bible or you want to look it up on your phone or whatever, it's Daniel chapter 6. I, I love the story of Daniel. I'm, I'm sure a lot of you do as well. It's such a fascinating story. Daniel is this devout believer um, that he's committed to living and serving the one and only creator God of Israel. However, he's living in a land. He's living in a land in which all sorts of False idols exist. All sorts of little G's, little gods are, are running around. And these, not only these uh, idols exist, but there's the belief that even the king, the king of the land that they're living in, in this particular time, the book starts, they're under Babylonian captivity. By the time we get to chapter 6, they're under Persian captivity. There's a belief that even the kings of these kingdoms were gods themselves. 
And so, out the, so throughout the life of Daniel, he faces challenge after challenge of staying true to his faith, living as a follower of the, of the living God, yet being in a land that was far from God, which can feel familiar probably to some of us, right? That we, we, we understand facing the challenge, if you will, of being a person of faith in a land that doesn't always support people of faith. And I, I think we're... we're the world that Daniel lived in was very much like this, but I think we can even relate to the idea of finding your faith at odds with the world that you live in. Anybody would agree with that, right? And I think for Daniel, he's living that times 100, if you will. Uh, but God gives him favor and positions Daniel in this prominent role within the government. So I'm just going to start reading. We've got several verses to read here. This is starting in verse 1, Daniel chapter 6. Here we go. It pleased Darius to appoint 120 satraps to rule throughout the kingdom with three administrators over them, one of whom was Daniel. The satraps were made accountable to them so that the king might not suffer loss. So Darius, just so you know, is actually King Darius of the Persian Empire, and the satraps are sort of these local governmental authorities um, and Daniel is one of the three executive leaders. Of, so he's like in the executive branch, right? And he's overseeing the senators. You get it? So this is what he's doing. Verse number three. Now Daniel so distinguished himself among the administrators and the satraps by his exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. So Daniel is about to come the vice pres, right? At this the administrators and the satraps tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel in his conduct of government affairs, but they were unable to do so. They could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. Finally, these men said, we will never find any basis for charges against this man, Daniel, unless it has something to do with the law of his God. So these Administrators and satraps went as a group to the king and said, May King Darius live forever. The royal administrators, prefects, satraps, advisors, and governors have all agreed that the king should issue an edict to enforce the decree that anyone who prays to any god or human being during the next 30 days, except to you, your majesty, shall be thrown into the lion's den. Now, your majesty, issue the decree and put it in writing so that it cannot be altered in accordance with the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be repealed. So King Darius put the decree in writing. Now, when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, well, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened toward Jerusalem. And three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed giving thanks to his God, just as he had done before. Then these men went as a group and found Daniel praying and asking God for help. So they went to the king and spoke to him about his royal decree. Did you not publish a decree that during the next 30 days, anyone who prays to any God or human being except to you, your majesty, will be thrown into the lion's den? 
Now, we all know, most of us know where the story goes from here. We've heard the story since we were kids. We know that Daniel was indeed thrown into the lion's den and was believed that this would be certain death because this was one method of um, execution that was extremely, uh, uh, just a terrible one, one that was intended to inflict not only terror upon someone, but also one of the most torturous types of death. And they would often starve the lions before they would throw people into them so that it would mean certain death. And so it was believed that when Daniel was thrown into the lions, then of course he would die. But it says in the scripture in this story that the angel of the Lord shut the mouths of the lions and saved Daniel. So the next morning when the king came down, Daniel was still alive to his amazement. And we know that this wasn't, oh, the lions, you know, they weren't hungry because of the peasant they ate the day before. Um, no, no, no. They, as soon as Daniel gets out, they throw some of these people back in the, in the den. And, of course, the lions immediately attack and kill them. So King Darius, is, um, he sees this as another miraculous sign of the God of, of Daniel, which he had seen before. And uh, King Darius is not only impressed by God, but he's moved deeply and, and there's a, so many things we can talk about in this story, but Daniel had submitted to a number of ways and rhythms in his life to feed his longing for more of God. Daniel understood that in a land postured against God that he had to position himself as dependent upon God. Every day he opened his windows, right? He opened his windows towards Jerusalem as a position of saying, I'm going to live in obedience to God. And he got on his knees and he prayed three times a day, and he thanked God. This was, this was a way and a rhythm of God. This is something he found himself doing over and over again. It says, even as he had done before. So this wasn't just in rebellion to this decree. This was something he did every day. He was also did many other things. He was trustworthy. He wasn't corrupt. He was responsible. These are the things we read in verse 4. Earlier in the book, in chapter 1, we're not going to read this, but he chose to abstain from certain foods and drinks. Uh, a lot of people call this the Daniel fast. And he did these things as a way of responding to what was going on within him as he desired to experience more of God in a land that was not necessarily going to support that desire within him. He had a longing within him, driving him forward no matter what he faced. He knew who he was. No matter what he faced, he knew who he was. Even that idea, that's the story of so many movies, right? The stories of destiny, the story in which no matter what the main character in the movie faces, he's still going to live into saving the girl or fulfilling the dream or step into who she or he ought to be. And this is one of the reasons that I think movies are so compelling to us because they tap into something. This is why I love um, the Jason Bourne movies so much. Jason Bourne movies are amazing movies because they're true, 100%. Now, beyond the, beyond the amazing action scenes, there's this man who has a longing, doesn't he? He has this longing that's driving him forward to, to live into who he was. If you, know, if you don't know the story, Jason Bourne, he's a, he had been... He had been um, uh, if you will, subjected to some sort of corrupt military brainwashing program to make him into a uh, kind of a brainwashed assassin. 
And when he discovers this and he comes out of it, he wants to find out who he really is and he's determined to get back to who he is and he's willing to do whatever it takes. And in the process, he's transformed into a person that no longer is a brainwashed killer, but he has a sense of right and wrong. He now knows who are the right people to kill and who are the wrong people to kill. You know what I'm saying? He has a sense of morality in that. Every one of them is self-defense, guys. Um, so he has this sense within him, right? to find out and to live into who we ought to be. And this is the story of movies. This is why movies, because there's this unbeatable drive that we get compelled by when we watch Rocky or Braveheart, or even if you've seen Toy Story 4, right? This to live into who we are. And it's this reason, it's this, for this reason, this is why this is the stuff of movies, because it connects, it connects with the human heart and soul. The longing within us to be who we really are. This is the story of Daniel. He knew who he was. And he was willing to do anything to continue to pursue that. But it came from somewhere. It wasn't just like all of a sudden he just became that. No, there was something that happened within him that drove him to be a person that did not compromise who he was that understood no matter what was written or what law happened or what was happening in the world around him, it would not change the fact that he knew who he was. There was a longing for more within him that didn't change with the wind. Are you with me? Cool. Nobody is. <laughs> I have a few slides for this. I want to pause and give you some big picture. Big picture of not only what we're doing today, but where we're going. Um... I have a few slides. Let's take a look at ourselves, shall we? We'll just use this uh, person on the screen. What's happening inside of us as a human being? Because inside of each and every one of us, I believe that we have a heart and soul that longs for more. Within each and every one of us, inside, if you dig deep underneath all the stuff that gets distractions in front of us, there's a heart and soul that longs for more. And we'll talk about even where that comes to from in a minute. But we use the word heart, of course, to describe our inner self. You know, we say things like, oh, thank you so much for sharing your heart with us. We know that that does not a literal thing. We hope it's not at least, right? We, we say things like, oh, man, did you see the way she just ripped his heart out? He's so brokenhearted. <laughs> Poor guy. We say things to talk about our inner self, and we use the word heart to describe it. And then we also use the word soul to describe something going on deep within us. And it has a slightly different meaning than heart, though, doesn't it? It certainly has an internal meaning, but it also has, for most people in the world, it has a deeper sort of spiritual significance when we talk about the soul. You know, back in the early 1900s, a scientist named Dr. Duncan McDougall wanted to prove that every human had a soul. And he wanted to create some sort of physical evidence that this internal being within us was real. And he actually believed that the soul should have some sort of physical property, some sort of physical kind of evidence to prove that every person within them has a soul. And so he did this really interesting experiment. This is very true. This very, this very much happened in which he would get people who were about to die and he would get them into his into his lab or whatever, and he had a, he had a scale that would, that would measure weight up within two-tenths of an ounce. 
And so he would wait as the person was dying, and when they died, he found something interesting consistently among people who died, is that they would immediately lose 21 grams at the time of their death. 21 grams, that's it. It's this little bitty stack of nickels, right? Well, he didn't, what's interesting about they did the same experiment on dogs. This is a true story as well. And it showed that dogs lost absolutely no weight at the time of death, which begs the question, or perhaps better answers the questions, do all dogs go to heaven? According to science, absolutely not. <laughs> Dog lovers, I'm sorry. But we can just believe Lassie will be there worshiping Jesus with you. I don't know, but regardless if we lose 21 grams or not, statistically most people... By the way, that's not proven fact. That's just his own theory. I'm not proving or saying that we lose 21 grams. However, regardless if we lose that or not, statistically most people believe, religious or non-religious, that we all have some sort of soul, something within us that's not just physical. And so as we explore the inner self and as we say what's going on within us, we start to discover something in the journey because there's a heart within us that longs for more, but we start to discover that, man, my life is going way too fast to actually pay attention to what's going on within us. And for anybody who's spiritual, we start understanding, man, I need to actually slow down my spirituality. We need a slowed down spirituality in our heart going on within us in which we can actually pay attention to what's going on within us. And so what happens within us is we start to slow ourselves down and we start to gather and feel the things that are going on and happening within us because we have to slow down enough to catch what's going on. And as we begin to pay attention to what's going on within us and we start to slow down enough, long enough to, to understand that we have stuff happening, we start to discover, and this is the spiritual journey of so many of us, that there are ways and rhythms in our life and the things that other people have done in which we've started to tap into this longing for more. So again, this is happening within us. There are ways and rhythms, and we'll talk about these things. We'll talk about slowed down spirituality. We'll talk about the ways and rhythms later on in the series, but things like solitude or Sabbath or celebration or servanthood. These are some of the ways and rhythms that actually connect us to a heart that longs for more. And in addition to these practices, for anybody that's really wanting to journey within, we start to discover that there is a Holy Spirit, which we sang about today so much. There's a Holy Spirit within us that's also within us, but we need to learn the ways and the, wit and the rhythms, if you will, of the Spirit, not only within us, but upon us. And so what happens when we start to understand this and we're looking to dig into ourselves and really understand what's happening within us, we start to ask questions like, how am I really led by the Spirit? How do I actually hear the Spirit? How do I hear God? Some people say, oh, I heard God say this. And people are like, what do you mean you heard God say this? How do we discern the voice of God? And then there's all this stuff in the New Testament about the gifts of the Spirit. How do we actually learn how to embody and walk in the gifts of the Spirit, where the gifts of the Spirit are upon and power upon us. So the ways of the Spirit, these are all very true and real things that we, that we have to discover within ourselves. However, as this is happening within us, as we dig deeper, as all these things are occurring, we start to listen what the heart and soul cries out for. God begins to give us more. And more of God begins to indwell us. And it starts to fill our entire body. And as we have more of God in us, it radi that's what actually radiates out of us. And so more of God actually comes off of us. It becomes the things, it's like the clothes that we wear. This is what Daniel happens. Daniel has God burst out of him 
because of all the things that have been going on in him into the land around him. And this is the story of someone who longs for more is there is a journey that starts deep within and it bubbles up until it starts to shine out of us like the stars of the universe that hold out or as we as we hold out the word of life. That's Philippians 2.14. And so this is what's been circling in my mind for a little while and what's been in my heart for a few months now. And these are the ideas that we're going to be exploring. And it all begins with a heart and soul. It all begins with our heart and soul deep within us. And so I want us to look at Proverbs 4.23, amazing words about the heart. So above all, guard the affections of your, say it with me, heart, for they affect all that you are. Pay attention to the welfare of, of your innermost being, for from there flows the wellspring of life. Guard your heart. It affects all that you are. Pay attention to what's happening within your innermost being. That is where the wellspring of life come, comes from. In other words, the deepest, most life-giving things that God will give you starts within you. We are often looking for God to do things for us or around us whenever he's saying, no, 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 the deepest things and the best things I want to do are within you. So we have the importance of the heart. And then if you think about creation, if you think about creation and how you and I created, we get the reality of our soul. Look at Genesis 2-7, and it says this. And the Lord God formed man's body from the dust of the ground and breathed into, into it the breath of life and the man became a living person. So can you imagine this moment? I love imagining this moment. God shapes this man made of dust. It's like a big mud man laying on the ground. And then he leans over and he breathes into the mud man and he becomes a living being. Now you gotta understand, he didn't do this with anything else he created. Everything else he just said, he just spoke it into existence. But with humanity, he actually breathed into uh, into the nostrils, if you will, of the, of the mud man, and he became a living being. And I believe that this is the soul that resides within each and every one of us. It's the very breath of God. So the interesting thing about our inner being, our heart and soul, we just read where these came from, it's that our heart and souls have, it has cravings, just like our physical senses do and our physical bodies do. You and I, we crave food. I crave peanut butter occasionally. Anybody with me on the peanut butter train? Yes. A friend of it the other day said, I'm craving crunchy Cheetos. I said, I get that. I get that. Our soul, just like our bodies, has cravings and desires. Deep within every person lies cravings of our heart and soul. That's longing for more. And, because, and, and the reason I know this is because humanity is wired. It's wired to want intimacy with its creator. It, it was instilled into us when the breath of God entered us. God created us. He breathed life into us. And when we tap into our true heart and, true, and we tap into the heart that's within us, the soul that's crying out, it's always for more of God. It's always for more intimacy. It's always for more relationship. Now, here's the kicker. Here's the challenge. A lot of us have these inner desires, and you see this play out in life. 
and but we end up giving our attention to other things and sometimes it's fear sometimes it's worry sometimes our minds get tempted to do temptation and here's what happens is the flesh can actually control the mind the enemy attacks the mind in order to starve the heart and soul of what it really craves and so our mind is actually captivated if you will by the things of this world. Daniel could have been captivated by the fact that he had been given power in an earthly realm. Are you with me? He had been given success and favor in an earthly realm. He could have been captivated by that to say, maybe this is what I really want. But instead, when he taps into no deeper than that, deeper than that level, there's something really instinctive and something very natural in me that desires more than just this earthly power. It's something about being a servant to the greatest power in the universe. And so there's this thing that can happen where we actually starve our heart and soul of what it really wants. And so we actually have these cravings that we deny because our minds have been deceived, which is why it's so important whenever the writings of Paul says we need to be no longer conformed by the patterns of this world, but be renewed by the transformation of our mind. We live in a world where we struggle to give attention to our inner being that is hungry for more. So this is a little bit of like, let's try and dig deep. Let's actually talk about real stuff. But I don't know if we're all ready to talk about real stuff. But I'll talk about someone who is. Dallas Willard, he's a smart guy. Great writer and theologian, Dallas Willard. He says this about our inner life, all right? He says, within, meaning within you. Within are thoughts, feelings, emotions, intentions. We have those things, things within us. And their deeper sources, whatever those may be. The life we live out, meaning outside, the life we live out in our moments, hours, days, and years, will those moments well up from a hidden depth. What is in our heart matters more than anything else for who we become and what becomes of us. This is about who you are becoming, my friends. What is in your heart matters more than anything else about who you become. Deep in you are longings that beg you to become someone. Deep in you are longings that say you need to slow down and start paying attention to your heart and soul. Within us is a calling to align our hearts with Jesus because when our hearts get aligned with something else other than Jesus, we abandon what's deep within us and we cling to something that is not who we're supposed to be. Often I've thought, am I becoming who I'm supposed to become? Am I becoming who I ought to be? Am I becoming who God created me to be? I literally have this thought. I hope you do too. Or am I allowing fear or temptation or the world of distractions around me to grab a hold of my heart, influence who I'm becoming? And are those things actually influencing who I'm becoming more than what God says about me? You see, the truth is, is there are so many things that are influencing more about who we're becoming than the things that God's called us to be. This is why Jesus lays it out so plainly. Whenever said, someone says, what's the most important thing, Jesus? He says, oh, I got it, no problem. Matthew 22, he says, love the Lord your God. Now say these things with me. Love the Lord your God with all of your 
heart. Okay, this is about the heart with all of your, oh yeah, it's about the soul. (laughs) And with all of your, we'll throw this in there, mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. God stirs his people for more. And it starts with the heart and soul. And when we are stirred, there are a few basic ways and rhythms that God's people have always done. Daniel actually did it in the story we read. So I'll just throw these up here. The ways and rhythms that God's people have always done when longing for more of him. Do you guys want to know what they are? Hmm. This is going to be, this is going to blow your mind. The first one is this. We pray more. What did Daniel do? He got on his knees three times a day and he prayed. He opened the windows to Jerusalem, said, I'm going to pray three times a day, no matter what the land around me says. The ways and rhythms of people who long for more are never absent of that reality. We pray more. The second thing, we praise more. You know, when he got down on his knees and he prayed, he thanked God. He thanked God every time. He would start by just giving praise to God. And then the third thing is this. We know who we are. You see, remember Daniel was given, he was given favor by kings. He was given earthly power, but he never, it never changed him. He knew he was God's man, even in a land that was postured against his God. And I, and I wonder if, like, I really truly wanted to give my heart and soul to the things that really matter. If I wanted to adopt the ways and rhythms that God's people literally for all time have surrendered to in order to experience more of God, I just cannot get away from this. We pray more, we praise more, and we know who we are. Because when we know who we are, it changes everything about everything. It changes the things and the things we do in the everyday, doesn't it? Because we won't compromise. We know who we are. We make the right decisions because we know who we are. We stop and we care and we love someone. We encourage someone because we know who we are. This is historically at the core of the daily ways and rhythms of God's people. This is core followership. You know, we're going to explore deeper ways that you carry those things out. You know, solitude is just an extension of these things. Sabbath is just... Sabbath is just a rhythm and a routine of giving praise and surrender to God, knowing whose you are, saying, I'm going to dedicate my life before you. We're going to get into those things, but ultimately, when your heart is stirred, these are the things that happen. Real quick, I'll just talk about these things for just a moment. When you pray more, I'll just say this. I want to encourage you. If you if, begin by praying more than you're praying right now. If you're like, how do I pray more? Just do more than you're doing today. Like, well, I don't ever pray. Well, that's an easy start then. (laughs) Say a prayer. You're like, oh, okay. And for those of you like, well, I pray every day. Well, how long do you pray? Uh, 10 minutes. Go 20. Well, I pray 20 minutes a day. Go 30. I come to the prayer room every day for 24-7. Go 25-7. I don't know how you do it, but do it. (laughs) What I'm saying is maybe for you it's, 
It's an incremental increase. Maybe for you, it's a significant increase. Maybe for you, it's I'm, I'm, going, I'm going to put a rhythm in my life of prayer that I've never done before. And I'm going to do this. Praise more. Same kind of idea. How are you doing at praising? Find where you're at. And you're like, uh, pretty much when I come to church. Well, maybe do a little more when you're at church. Maybe you do a little more through your week. If you're like, well, I come to church and I really enjoy the music, but I, I, I don't, I'm not really a singer. Well, then I'm not going to make you a singer, but I'm going to say maybe you actually look at the words and you pray them as you look at the words. And it really means more. To, and you start praising God even if you're not a singer. And some of you are like, I'm not a singer, but God's calling you to be a singer. Okay, just let it out. <laughs> just let it go. And it's not just about singing. It's about praying praise. Daniel started every prayer with praise. He thanked God every day. And so often we rush into our prayers and we start getting, oh my gosh, God, I need you to do this. I need, oh, we talk about that all the time, but I am learning even in my own life, like I need to stop myself and give him praise. I have to give him praise for the things that he's done. Everything is worthy of his praise. And then Knowing who you are always begins with knowing whose you are. <laughs> whose you are. You are not only a, ch a, a daughter or a son of your heavenly father, which, by the way, brings you into the most intimate experience and presence with the Lord because you're one of his children. But you are also, just so you know, you have to be remember this, that you're adopted sons and daughters purchased by a price which has been paid for by Jesus when he says, you are not your own. You've been purchased an expensive price by Jesus. And whenever we were purchased by Jesus, it means that now he, we are now his. So who you are starts with whose you are. The ways and rhythms of longing for more of God cannot be absent of these things. They cannot skip praying. They cannot skip praising. And they not, cannot skip living into who we ought to be. And so many times people want to experience the power and presence of God, but they don't even do these things. They don't even really live into the, rhythm, the ways and the rhythms of prayer and praise and just knowing who you are. So many of us are confused about what we believe because we don't know who we are. We're confused about should I really believe the truth because that seems really, really divisive. People of conviction, by the way, people of conviction in this culture can be divisive, which is really challenging. But whenever we understand that the land that we're living in is not how we dictate who we are, but the truth that we adhere to is what dictates who we are, well, then we have a lot more understanding about how to live into the person we ought to be. Are you with me? So again, this is core followership. We cannot live into prolonged power and presence without this. And I say prolonged power and presence because I believe we get glimpses all the time of the kingdom and what's natural in the kingdom, the way the kingdom ought to be. We get to see breakthrough. We get to see healing or answered prayer or whatever. And God wants to give us glimpses of what's possible because he loves us that much. But the glimpses aren't to tease us. They're to invite us deeper. The, the, the glimpses of, of the miraculous and the supernatural and the power of God and the presence of God aren't to go, yeah, yeah, it's really good and someday it's going to even be better when we get to heaven. It's to say, no, no, I got more for you. I got more for you. Would you keep 
going deeper with me. And this is what he's doing all the time. And prolonged living in the power and presence of God is not looking for the glimpses, but it's understanding that it's the journey deep within us that unlocks and unlocks your potential and unlocks the things that I believe God has given us the ability to do. This is core followership. This is what it means to live into the invitation of power and presence. And I just want to say one more note, and then I'm going to be done. The longing for more, this may seem out, out of left field, but I think this is important for someone in here. The longing for more isn't an escape from the now. I think the notion of longing for more can sometimes infer that you would rather be someplace else, like this isn't good enough. And what I mean by that is sometimes I think, hey, you need more, you need more, can, can infer that who you are, where you are, isn't good enough. And so when you're always in a constant state of longing for more, you feel like wherever you're at isn't good enough. So when someone says, oh, man, have you experienced that or experienced this? And you can feel almost this spiritual guilt. See, the, the, the idea of longing for more is not an indictment on today. It's not a, a spiritual guilt trip of where you're at today. It's something different. The longing for more... I mean, imagine, imagine having, a, having your friends over one night and you got all your friends gathered around you and you're like, guys, I gotta have a serious conversation with you. I've been thinking about friendships. In fact, I'm really wanting more and better friendships than I currently have. I just wanted to let you know, moving forward, that's what I'm looking for. Looking for more and better friendships. They would look at you and say, good luck with that, deuces. I'm out of here. Longing for more is not an indictment on today. And what I say that is, is I feel like this idea of longing for more, anytime we kind of step into it and then we, we kind of fall flat, our rhythms or our ways get kind of out of whack and we get busy and then we get distracted, well, then spiritual guilt comes upon us and instead of living in guilt, we just abandon it all together and we go back to this normal, normal way of living in which we aren't really tapping into the heart and soul of who we really are. And so instead of kind of pushing back in and going back in, we allow guilt or, or this, this whole um, challenge of living in a place. It's, it's not a place of saying, you got to have the pedal, the metal all the time or it's, there's nothing. That, that, that's not what this is about. This is about you and me looking at one another and being honest about what's really going on in our heart. That's what this is about. Is our heart aligned with Jesus? Are we listening to the cravings of our soul? Will we fulfill the destiny that God has for us? You know, the end of the story of Daniel is, is something, something really amazing happens. King Darius, is, he's overwhelmed with Daniel and the move of the power of God, and he, he does something quite startling. And he declares Daniel's God as superior. Now, I, I'm not sure if King Darius, like, denounced all other idols or if he denounced himself as a deity himself. But I don't know, but I know he said this. He said this in Daniel chapter 6, verse 25. He said, Then King Darius, this is after Daniel gets out of line den, lines then, wrote to the nations and peoples of every language in all of the earth. That's a lot of letters. And he said this, may you prosper greatly. It's encouraging. 
I issue a decree that in every part of my kingdom, people must fear and reverence the God of Daniel. For he is the living God and he endures forever. His kingdom will not be destroyed. His dominion will never end. He rescues and he saves. He performs signs and and wonders in the heavens and on the earth. He has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. Now these words are a person impacted by the God that came bursting out of Daniel. Are you with me? There was a God, there was so much God in Daniel that when it came bursting out of him, it overwhelmed the king and it came flowing into the land. Those are the words of revival. Those are the words of a revival that takes place in which God endures forever. He never ends. God rescues. He saves even the people that feel like they'll never get saved like Daniel in the lion's den. He saves them anyway. He performs signs and wonders. In case you're wondering, every revival is accompanied by signs and wonders, the miraculous, whether it's healing or breakthrough or gifts of prophecy and other things that are supernatural that are hard to explain. But the words of revival, revival, just so you know, my friends, it starts within. And then it bursts into the atmosphere around us. So we pray, we praise, and we know who we are. That's core followership. That's where the journey begins. What happens after that is up to God. He may do revival in your heart, but he may decide to do revival in your family. He may decide to do revival in this church, in this city, or in this kingdom. It's up to him. So today, we begin this larger conversation by looking deep within who we are and what's really going on within us what's happening with your heart and soul. So if you just pray with me. I want to pray that we have a heart that longs for more and that 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 would in turn lead to the simplicity of saying, we're going to pray more. We're going to praise more. We're going to know who we are because knowing who you are, friends, that is the rudder to your life through tough times, good times, and even the everyday. We are God's people. And if we live in a land that doesn't always get that, well, we must know who we are and believe what he teaches in his word and be who we ought to be no matter what we face. I pray that in the name of Jesus that we would be who we ought to be no matter what we face in this world. Lord, I pray that as we respond over these next few minutes, that you would give us the opportunity and you would just help us even look deep within ourselves, start to find that inner core, that that heart and soul of who we are, and listen to the cravings that it has for more of you. And I would just invite anybody in here that even if that desire is more of you in the sense of, I just need God. I've never had him in my life. I've never said yes to Jesus. I would say right now you can say yes to Jesus. And all you have to do is just do this right now in your heart. Just say, say, Lord, I want to give you my life. If you want to give Jesus, if you want to give your life to Jesus right now, just say, Lord, I give you my life. Just say that in your heart. Say, Lord, I give you my life. I give you my life. And then say, I want to, I want to live for you from this day forward. I want to live for you from this day forward. Lord, I pray for anybody praying that prayer right now, that, Lord, your Holy Spirit would come upon them, that, Lord, that prayer that they're saying, it's the most real and authentic thing they've ever said to you. 
pray this in the name of Jesus. We hope you've enjoyed this week's message. If there's anything we can pray with you about, or if you have questions about God, we'd love to talk with you. Please visit our contact page at okccommunitychurch.com.